0: Welcome to the Deep Dive from the Walrus, a weekly podcast that takes a deeper look into all the happenings at the Walrus. I'm Sheena Rossiter.
1: And I'm Angela Mystery. This is our very first episode, but this podcast is going to feature lots of different contributors to the Walrus. Writers, talkers,
0: illustrators, editors, and even some of you listeners and readers. We'll get the story behind the stories. We're gonna be going into everything, like our upcoming digital series on wellness. We'll hear about the long and occasionally fraught evolution of the bra and how the styles of bras have started to change during the pandemic. And we'll get a glimpse into how YouTube instructors are now part of many people's daily workout routines in a big way. We'll also get to hear about
1: how the economy is changing in Canada. And we'll get an analysis of how male grooming trends have evolved during this pandemic. And we'll introduce you to our Justice Fund Writer-in-Residence at The Walrus and hear more about the long-form feature she's working on.
0: So definitely tune in every week to get an earful of some of the great stories we create here at The Walrus. Let's check out what's on this week's episode.
2: This essay is really interesting because there are these images of, you know, Whitney Houston. There are images of Madonna and U2 and all of these... Of artists who anyone who listened to music in the 80s certainly cares a lot about.
0: This week we'll hear from Connor Gurrell, who was recently the Canterbury Fellow at The Walrus. Connor is an arts and culture reporter with bylines in BuzzFeed, fashion, Canadian art, and of course The Walrus. And Angela, you spoke to him. What was the story about? He contributed what's called an as-told-to photo essay
1: of celebrity photographer Lou D in the January-February issue of The Walrus. Lou D was a photographer to the stars in the 80s and 90s, and it's important to remember that before social media, the backstage snapshot was really the only way most fans could see celebrities like Madonna and Whitney Houston or Paul McCartney. So this is my conversation with Connor Gorell about his latest contribution in the January-February issue of The Walrus. (music) Can you tell us a little bit about this photo essay in the Jan-Feb double issue? Because it's quite stunning. And if you could start with where the idea came from.
2: Yeah, of course. So this interview that we have actually started because Paul, who's our art director, brought this photographer to my attention. His name is Lou D. And he's a former music photographer and also a, a former paparazzo who, for the last 30 years has been creating images of some of the most iconic figures in musical history and in the history of popular culture. And so this essay is really interesting because there are these images of you know, Whitney Houston, there are images of Madonna and U2, and all of these kind of artists who anyone who listened to music in the 80s certainly cares a lot about.
1: So talk us through the photos themselves.
2: Yeah. So one of my favorite images that's in the photo essay is this really early picture of Whitney Houston, kind of before she got really, really famous. And it's her kind of looking back over her shoulder and like grinning and kind of beaming at the camera in this really beautiful way. So we have that. We have an image of you 2 in Las Vegas when they're, they're filming a music video, which our photographer had access to at the time because he just kind of happened to be at the concert when Bono came backstage and said, you know, hey, we're gonna go shoot this music video. You should just come along. And so a lot of these images, I think, they kind of capture moments in an industry that doesn't necessarily exist in the same way that it does now. He had all of this access to these stars, which, you know, the average music photographer can't really do that anymore. There are all these barriers for entry. Celebrities are kind of more concerned with the way that their images come across. And they also can just kind of communicate directly with their audience now through Instagram and through Twitter. So I think a lot of this is kind of cataloging a golden era that doesn't exist anymore, that can't exist anymore, maybe.
1: That's a really nice way to put it. The golden era that can't exist anymore. Can you talk a little bit about why these photos were chosen? I'm sure you had a lot more to choose from than you actually featured.
2: I think we we wanted to choose a mixture of, you know, images where these artists were performing live on the stage in their element, but also images where they're maybe caught a little bit off guard, right? Images where they aren't all necessarily kind of done up and, and looking, you know, dynamic, commanding a stage, where they're just backstage hanging out or with each other, or it's just that person and the photographer. So you get a more intimate relationship to the star that you don't necessarily get when you're around 100,000 people at Massey Hall experiencing a concert. I think what we really wanted to get at was what it was like for this person to be behind the scenes, really, in the 80s. It's different now. If you get the behind the scenes moments, it's because you're watching an Instagram story And maybe there's more of an inclination to tailor that or kind of edit it a little bit. So it maybe loses some of the authenticity that was there when Lou D was photographing these these artists backstage.
1: Are you a photographer?
2: I'm not a photographer. I'm not a photographer. I've always been really interested in photography. And I've been interested in art since I was like a little kid. I was supposed to go to art school in high school. But I I didn't, I ended up going to a a regular public school. And I think it's kind of just always been a really big part of my life. And now I just have a, a, a way to engage with it that isn't necessarily making it. It's just kind of more out of an affection and a love for art, whether it's painting or sculpture, or in this case, photography
1: just some of the pieces you've done for us, it feels like there's a lot of love behind them and it comes across in your writing and in the visual story you're telling.
2: Yeah, no, I think I've always thought that artists were the greatest truth tellers, even in, in you know, fiction writers and, and visual artists. I think that there's a talent there for, for honesty and for kind of articulating a specific vision of the world. And a lot of the essays that I've been doing, whether it's an interview with Jorian Charlton, who's a photographer, who kind of captures the meaning of the Black Family photo album, or if it's sculptures by, you know, Esma Mahmoud, who is exploring a relationship between modern sports and historical forms of slavery. I think all of these people have really important things to say about the world as we live in it right now, and they're doing it through a way that's almost irresistible. And I think there's a quote that's kind of about you know, wanting to make the revolution irresistible. And a lot of the artists that I'm attracted to tend to be doing that in some way.
1: So why this photo essay right now?
2: I think a lot of the time, you know, art can deal with and grapple with really heavy themes that can leave you feeling a little bit down, maybe. And I love that. I love looking at art that forces me to see the world in a different way. But I also love things that just kind of make you feel good. And I think that you know, the last couple of years, while we've been trapped in this moment, have been really difficult. And maybe these images or images like them are just a way for people to feel better by looking at them. I think that's really all there is to it.
1: Thanks so much for sitting down with us, Connor.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: That's my conversation with Conor Gorel. His as-told-to photo essay, Shooting Stars, from the January-February double issue of The Walrus, was edited by Karina Boussieff.
2: I'm Conor Gorel, and here's what I'm reading, watching, or listening to right now. I've actually been rereading James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room, which is his second novel, and one of my absolute favorite, favorite novels ever written. It's one of those books that I've stopped lending out because everyone forgets to give them back. It's set in Paris in the 1950s, which is the setting of Baldwin's actual life at the time. And it tells the story of this young American expatriate named David, who, while his girlfriend is in Spain, trying to decide whether or not she'll accept his marriage proposal, he falls in love and is kind of seized by this really intense, affair with a charming italian bartender named giovanni and the crazy thing about the book setup is that by the third page you learn the romance is doomed not because the lovers are both men but because giovanni is actually said to be executed uh, and it's it's unclear from the start exactly why but it's implied that david feels some grave sense of responsibility for it and that he might never recover so what follows is this incredibly gorgeous sincere stately kind of tragic story about love and about denial and in Baldwin's interpretation about what it means to be so afraid that you finally can't love anybody at all, right? And sort of the way fear can make a monster out of us, how it can make someone blow up their own life.
3: I'm Daniel Viola, and here's what we've been talking about this week at The Walrus. Our Slack is full of stories about the sheer number of people testing positive for COVID-19 right now. One article I stood out came from Teen Vogue, which looked at their own newsroom and how many of their staff were coming down with mild symptoms. Since March 2020, The Walrus has published over 180 stories that mention COVID. Yes, we did go through and count. These articles cover everything from health to business to the arts and even include a poem by Jason Guriel and several episodes of our podcast, The Conversation Piece. We've also been discussing Anna Maria Tremonti and her upcoming CBC podcast, Welcome to Paradise. The six-episode series will examine an abusive relationship that she lived through during her twenties. And finally, we've just sent our March-April double issue off to the printers. The magazine will be on newsstands and in mailboxes by Valentine's Day. It is packed with great journalism including one article about the toxic relationship between cities and their water supply. Meanwhile, our cover story looks at why a growing number of healthcare workers in Catholic hospitals are speaking out. The links to all these articles can be found in the show notes for this episode.
0: Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Deep Dive. It was produced by Angela Misri and me, Sheena Rossiter. I also edited this episode. Thanks so much to Connor Gorell for joining us this week. Music for this podcast was provided by Audio Jungle. Our theme song is This Podcast Theme by M Plus Music. Additional music is Stay Cool by Loops Labs and Podcast Intro by M Plus Music. Don't forget to subscribe to the Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review and rating. It really helps people find the podcast. Until next week, when we take our next deep dive.